Good evening, everybody. Happy Saturday evening. Sorry for the delay. Uh, we had a guest scheduled, uh, Pastor uh, Jurgen Matisius, uh, but he had a family emergency, so uh, yeah, we were scrambling a little bit. Uh, but we, we do have uh, Seth Gruber joining us tonight, and he's got some really cool stuff to share. But I wanted to take the beginning of our time tonight, and it's not going to be a long program tonight. I want to recognize a business here locally that is stepping up in bravery, and I want to get everybody in the community to support them, just like we did for Beloved Cheesecakes. Um, th this, is, this is an amazing business, and I've had a number of folks reach out to me today to tell me about them, and I'm going to be frequenting them, and I think you should do it as well. But before I get to the, um, the, the business itself, mm -hmm. it's called the Pizza Cookery, yeah. but I'll it's talk awesome. about it a little bit. Yeah, it is. Um, I wanted to just kind of go through some slides that I had put together just to give you a perspective of kind of what we're dealing with across the country. And I, I threw these on the guys at the last minute, so hopefully they're ready, but I don't even know what order they're in. We'll have some fun with them. Um, but this is a, a fun one. I like this. Things that don't exist. Bigfoot, fairies, unicorns, and office of the president-elect. Uh, I, I wanted to show some videotape footage today in Atlanta. Uh, thousands are marching in the streets, no press coverage. Tens of thousands marching in the streets, no press coverage. Folks do not want this election stolen. Um, let's go to the next slide. And this is stuff that our elected officials, especially as the last few nights we've been covering Governor Newsom and his hypocrisy, also Nancy Pelosi's hypocrisy with her haircut and and they, they place these stringent rules on us with no science backing them. We've covered this. And yet the issues that they should be talking about, and including Dr. Robert Levin, who got a 12.5% raise, uh, people who are virtue signaling about shutdowns and calling us careless and selfish don't take into account suicide, starvation, poverty, child abuse, domestic violence, drug and alcohol problems, depression, loss of livelihood, money, elderly living in isolation. There's so many of these, and we're going to have guests in the coming days that are going to cover all that the media and the government has not presented to you of what this shutdown has done to us. Uh, I like this tweet today. The plan with the overblown virus and tyrannical lockdowns has always been to make small businesses and middle-class families broke and desperate. Why? So they'll have no choice but to accept socialism. You may not agree with me. That's your prerogative. But just follow history. It's very evident. You need to remove the middle class if you're going to implement socialism and then on its roadmap to communism. Let's take a look at the next one. Reminder, all businesses are essential to those who rely on them for a living. Our businesses are dying. And tomorrow at church, we're going to show a number of boarded up businesses as we've just briefly taken a stroll down Thousand Oaks Boulevard and other areas of the community where once vibrant businesses are now boarded up and gone. And the governor won't stop until they're all shut down. We thought that this was 14 days to flatten the curve. We're still looking at numbers that do not merit what the governor's doing. And we're watching Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, who's not putting lockdowns or mask mandates. He's not even going to make it mandatory for his citizens to receive the vaccination. And yet you look at the, the rates of these, these states uh, that have limited lockdowns, they're flourishing, they're doing well, 
if, if the lockdown works so well, why are we doing it again? Just a question to ask. I love the Babylon Bee and their sarcasm. In somber press conference, Governor Newsom announces COVID has killed Santa. They're going to be coming after Christmas next. They, they took away our Holy Week. They want to take away Thanksgiving. And they're certainly going to go for Christmas, no doubt. And then we've got some ways to support our small businesses. Because, listen, when your Little League team and your kids' soccer team needed money, you went and got sponsorships from these local small businesses. They're all suffering. And we need to support them. Do not shop Amazon, Costco, all these others. Go to these small businesses and support them, especially the restaurants in town. Six ways to to support small businesses. Write a positive review. Tell your friends and family. Follow them on social media. Engage with their posts. Give them a shout out. Sign up for their newsletter. And the most important, those all don't cost you anything, but most importantly, put your money where your mouth is. Go to those restaurants. And one in particular that I want to focus on tonight is, uh, well, I'll I'll show you. Um, It's called the Original Pizza Cookery. And uh, the the lady who uh, heads this up, I believe her name is Barbara Hall. I just want to confirm that. Barbara Hall. Uh, I have been told about, yeah, it's Barbara Hall. Her and her husband, her husband's a Vietnam vet. Her father survived the Holocaust. And they've got this amazing restaurant called the Original Pizza Cookery, 75 West Thousand Oaks Boulevard. Now, there's a lot of restaurants out there to support, but the reason why I'm so thrilled about Barbara Hall and her husband is because this restaurant is finally standing up against tyranny, and they're going to face some backlash. But they're standing up and saying that anyone who wants to come to their restaurant, masks are not required. The bravery is such that we need to support them. I want you to frequent that business. I want you to bless that business. I want you to go there. I don't even care if you don't like pizza. You go buy a pizza, buy a salad, go do something. Barbara Hall needs our support. She uh, is brave. Her husband is brave. He fought for this country. Her father survived the Holocaust. And uh, this is a restaurant that needs our support. Folks, this is targeted. And we can't put up with this anymore. We have to demand of those who govern by our consent that we do not consent to this. And so march in there with your God-given rights that they're supposed to be protecting. And we know the issues re- regarding the virus. We, we know the severity of it and who it affects. We have the data. And what we're facing by this tyranny, does it, the, the, the virus does not merit the tyranny that is being placed upon all of us in this community. Support these businesses. They supported all of your Little League and Boy Scouts and, and soccer clubs. They've been supporting your schools. They've been doing all of this. They're the ones that generate the revenue for the city. They're basically tax collectors so that the city can operate. And now we're, we're letting them just die. And we can't do that. And now you have a brave small business owner who is standing in defiance to tyranny. And all of us need to stand with them. Go to the pizza cookery. Shop that place. Go buy a gift certificate and then tear it up. Just give them the money. I did that yesterday at an Indian restaurant, the one that we Our like, Bollywood. Yeah. I went in, got a gift certificate. I told the guy, don't bother filling it out. Just keep the money. Yeah. Uh, I, they are doing everything they can to stay alive. Help them. Now, um, you know, yeah. with that, that point in mind, I was looking at the, uh, all the financials. 
Bill Federer said this a long time ago. This is the biggest wealth transfer. You look at profit margins for Amazon's Costco. Costco's paying out a big dividend. So all these small businesses are having their money taken away yeah. and transferred over. And, they, and Bill Federer warned about that 50 episodes ago. Yeah, that, well, we have it right know. here. Dan Price there tweeted, you go. Amazon okay, yeah. profits are up 100%, Walmart up 80%, Target up 80%, Lowe's 74%. Microsoft, Facebook, Apple, Google stock at record high. Small businesses, 21% are closed. In our county alone, the devastation is far beyond yeah. that. And the revenue for the rest is thirty is down 30%. They're going to go extinct in the lockdown without help. This is purposeful by government leaders who have nefarious ideas, and they subject us to tyrannical um, requirements that they themselves do not follow, and they just simply say, up. Oh, I'm sorry. No consequence, but they're going to fine us. They're going to shut our businesses. What they're doing to BSF Gym is unconscionable. I want to get them back on our program. We need to support them. They're standing against the tyranny. And folks, if we don't stand up, they're going to take whatever it is we're going to give them. And I don't want to give them anymore. So support these businesses. Go all out. And with that, uh, the segue, transition, how do you go from that to Seth Gruber? Seth can talk about anything, but the thing that's dearest to me and on my heart, I saw this tweet today, and it hit me. Look at this. If you kill humans and store them in a fridge, you're probably Jeffrey Dahmer. But when Planned Parenthood does it, they call it health care. Yeah. I don't know Taylor Hansen, but that that was telling because... In California alone, we harvest organs, and Veritas exposed it, and uh, Kamala Kamala Harris, uh, still, I'm so confused by all the issue, Uh, Senator Harris, she went after them Mm -hmm. for for telling the truth, Uh, and and this is is who is going to steal the election? No, I'm not interested in that. This, This is... So much about life, uh, so much about the unborn, this election is critical because the conscience of America has kind of fallen into apathy. Yeah. And you can't can't abort 70 million babies as a Christian and be in a nation where you expect God to bless it. Yep. Yep. And then churches are silent. They put up Black Lives Matter tiles but they're silent when it comes to Amy Coney Barrett and the chance to end this Holocaust on the unborn. And then I saw that tweet today, and though I so wanted to have Jurgen Matisius on, he's a wonderful man, and I had some things I wanted to ask him. It seemed as though when I saw that, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And though maybe my plan was to have Jurgen, God's plan was to have Seth. And when I called him, he had uh, family time, yeah. and he put everything down to be with us. So... Seth, are you there? I want to welcome you. Is he ready? There he is. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Did you uh, did you see the tweet? Yes, I did. And and I I saw you put a couple up there that were pretty profound. I mean, uh, you're you're taking them on, and especially the ones where you're attacking what are supposedly pro life Biden supporters. Right. Yeah. I know it, this has become so discouraging to me because in a time when we're watching so many people fold 
to draconian measures, to unjustified, morally and medically unjustified shutdowns and policies. There's people waking up. There's people responding. There's people like the restaurant you just talked about who are saying enough is enough. We will not put up with this. And yet the very institution, by the way, the only one that can hold government to account that ought to be on the front lines saying enough of this, they're the most silent. And yes, we're seeing Christians wake up, right? We're seeing some churches rise up and that's really encouraging. And I think God is using this time to kind of show who the faithful is. And, and who's going to stand on their God-given natural rights in the freest country ever? And that's encouraging. We need to encourage those those sort of complacent churches like you've talked about to come alongside us, to join us in the front lines, but to watch so many churches fold on these important matters at one of the most propitious moments in American political history, certainly in my lifetime, yeah. where the founding ideals of this republic are not just being questioned, they're being attacked they're being ridiculed as stupid, silly, Republican, rubbish ideas rather than the fundamental ideals of this republic that used to be very bipartisan, like separation of powers, like the natural right to life. Um, and it's just it's just it's tragic. And so, yeah, I do go pretty hard after these supposed you know, pro-life Christian Democrats. I yeah. mean, it, it is yeah. not an overstatement to say that that 1950s Democrats would today be MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans. That's how far that party's gone. And for our brothers and sisters who are sleeping through this, and they're not just complacent, they're complicit. They're complicit in supporting the destruction of life, the removal of natural rights, the transing of kids by voting for Biden, who just said, yeah, if you're eight years old and you think you're the other gender, we'll probably just remove you from the home because they have rights too. And so you as parents don't have a right to raise your children as you want. So are we really surprised that a party that denies the first and most fundamental of all rights, life, would also trample on every other right. Oh, shocker. Yeah. You know that article that I, we just talked about before we went on about uh, testing for Down syndromes and being able to... It seems like the, the it's getting more and more... Refer to the article. At oh, so, so it, Seth, you read it more in detail, but it's yeah. being able to test for Down syndromes, and if you test positive for Down syndromes, then there's the ability to... Uh, uh, abort is that yeah. is that and then yeah so so very very sobering article in the Atlantic just the other day uh, Lila Rose tweeted it out and shared it as well and I think it was focusing on a mother in Denmark if I get the country correct who runs a sort of a home and a ministry for parents who choose to keep their Down syndrome babies of course as you guys well know with amniocentesis and other genetic testing you can identify unwanted infirm babies and then you can eliminate them based off of that diagnosis so this is eugenics by any definition of the word and places like denmark have if i remember in the article david uh, anywhere from eight to twelve down syndrome babies born every year yeah because over 98 percent of down syndrome babies are targeted diagnosed and eliminated yeah. And that number is not quite as high in the United States, but I do. the statistics have, have shown that it is well over 80% of babies in America who are slaughtered and aborted if they're diagnosed with Down syndrome. And so really, really tragic. But, but let's think about this in a larger sort of context for a second, okay? Can you imagine for a second 
if these supposedly white supremacists in America, which I guess represents a huge number of danger to black Americans. I wasn't aware of that. Of course, I mean, this is just mainstream media myths, of course. Even Candace Owens has come out and said, if I were to rank the danger of white supremacy to black Americans, it wouldn't make my top 100 list. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was one of her most viral clips. But but let's just imagine for a second, if, if those people, and, and let's say there's a ton of them, if they were going around and they were specifically beating up, abusing, mugging black teenagers simply because they're black. I mean, true, actual racists who were attacking and identifying people purely based off of their skin color and eliminating them. These churches would hopefully be rising up and they'd be saying, you know, forget being political. I don't care what partisan label you put on me, but, you know, put whatever partisan label you want on me. If you're going to call me a Republican hack for saying this is evil and this is racism and we should not be beating up people because of their skin color, then sure, call me a Republican hack, whatever. Right. Yeah. But those same people are silent on an actual prenatal eugenics, the targeting identification of image bearers of God who are not chromosomally perfect yeah. or yeah. physically perfect and then they rip them limb from limb and the church is silent and so i think this plays into a deeper problem within american evangelicalism and it's this idea that i've talked about with with you recently rob of soft bigotry because these christians would not say that they're pro-abortion they would not say that that they believe that Mary had a fundamental right to an abortion. They would actually say, I would never get an abortion. I would tell my daughters not to get an abortion. Hey, man. Hey, hey, Pastor Rob, I have the local pregnancy resource center director come share for five minutes at our church every Sunday. And we make an annual donation and we host a table at the pregnancy resource banquet. No, we're very pro-life, right? They, they would probably say these things. And, and yet, if it comes time to adopt political responsibility, to engage in the most important battlefield there is. And there are many important battlefields. Okay, I'm not discounting the cultural wars. But if you don't get the politics right, then you're not going to get the policies right. And if you don't get the policies right, then it's going to remain legal to target human beings in the womb because of they're not chromosomally or physically perfect. And of course, this disproportionately affects black babies as well. And these churches were out marching for Black Lives Matter and preaching sermons because they believed political happenings demanded a theological response. Um, and so we need to attack this idea of soft bigotry in the church because yeah. they will pontificate pro-life beliefs and ideas, but then they'll say, oh, but I won't tell people who to vote for. Oh, I won't tell people not to vote for the party of abortion and infanticide that just like in 1850 believes there's a new class of humans that are not persons. Yeah. It, it, so yeah. if you're willing to say, as Tim Keller has, that Christians in the 1850s were sinning by not voting for Republicans, he doesn't actually say Republicans, but he says by opting out of the political process, you were supporting the social status quo. Yeah. Okay, we know what that means. There was only one party that could have ended slavery, Republicans. So he says, apparently, black brothers and sisters, their lives are of enough dignity that if you refrain from the political battle to protect them, you're sinning by supporting the social status quo. Then why isn't the blood of unborn image bearers important enough to warrant political intervention? So we really need to attack this idea of soft bigotry in the church. You. You, you, had a, you had a pretty intense tweet, and I want to read it. You said, critical race theorists are frauds and don't believe a single thing they espouse. Guess how I know that? They're nearly all pro-abortion, which is literally the single greatest example of powerful white people profiting off mistreating and murdering black people. Dude. That's right. 
Yep. <laughs> well, what's the fundamental sort of uh, ideological premise of critical race theory? This idea of power struggles, right? Uh, that would be sort of critical theory in general. And then when you put in the race theory, of course, it's it's like a, it's a it's not just class, but it's racial struggles, right? Right. But I mean, critical race theory. I mean, all of these people uh, believe that you have to be anti-racist, right? Because there's systemic white and uh, sort of supremacy somewhere in the ether that's targeting black people, um, and so actually reverse racism is justified and going after white people based off their skin is okay because of how long we've been abused right so these people believe that there's this sort of power and class and racial struggles going on and a lot of that they say is going to stem from american racism from the institution of slavery that embedded this systemic racism into the minds of americans and so we have unconscious bias and so we have to weed it out and so anything is justified to weed out the systemic racism okay let, let's just assume that all of that all of that you know bleep is true okay then why are you pro-abortion, dude? 300,000 black babies are murdered every year. And most people who work in the abortion industry are white. One of the most popular presidents of Planned Parenthood ever, who just stepped down last year, Cecile Richards, is as white as the purely driven snow. You know, yeah. and, uh, and and oversaw an organization that murdered more black people every two weeks than the KKK lynched in a century. You, yeah. you Wait, wait, you said this. Uh, Cecile Richards tweeted... Excited for all the babies this year who will be named Kamala, or Kamala, Kamala. And then you wrote, is there a troll running your account? More black babies were murdered every two weeks under your time as president of P uh, Planned Parenthood PAC. Then the KKK lynched in a century. There's literally no greater terror to babies in the entire country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, and we have those statistics. We have that data, and 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 it, and it those those numbers pan out perfectly. It's roughly Planned Parenthood about in two weeks they'll they'll abort about the number of black babies that the KKK took took an entire century to lynch. Yeah. Um. So you want to talk about you know killing unarmed black lives? <laughs> Who's more unarmed and vulnerable than black babies in the womb? And so for these people who pontificate about critical race theory and we need to create a truly equitable and just society that is safe for our black brothers and sisters. And if you're not for us, you're not an ally. So you're not an anti-racist. If you're not an anti-racist, then you're a racist. I mean these same people. People are for abortion and I'm like brothers sisters I want more black people yeah. <laughs> you know I had a ton of black friends in high school I, I would I, I would love to see your population grow I, I want a diverse America I, I love it I grew up in a homeschool family and because we didn't travel a lot overseas what my mother did instead is she would bring people all over the country um, to, and host them in our homes, uh, foreign exchange students, right? Yeah. So by the time I went to college, we had had foreign exchange students from over 40 countries stay at our home. So I was eating ethnic foods from all over the world. We were learning stories. We were learning how to say words in different languages. My mom would always say, cook is your favorite dish. Like, what do you love when you're home? You know, like I grew up as, yes, a, a white cisgender male. Oh, no. But I grew up around all of these different ethnicities and I loved it. I mean, I, I, and this is the melting pot of America, right? That's one of the great things about America. And so if you want more diversity, you cannot be for abortion. When you talk about the Imago Dei, the image of God, and I've said this often where, you know, you drive over the grapevine in the spring after the winter rains have uh, just saturated the hillside and then all this tapestry of flowers come out and none of them are arguing over the color of the other. It's just the beauty of, of all of these flowers created with, you know, different colors and, and patterns, but yet just stunning as a tapestry yeah. and when God said let us make man in our image 
it, it's it's unified, but it's diverse, and it's it's singular, but it's plural. It it's beautiful, and it's a tapestry, and it, we're destroying the Imago Dei, and while they're perpetrating the most heinous racism and the Holocaust of the black community, they're accusing us of being racist. Yeah. I, I, I was I was wondering about that article, and I kind of have the same question for you, is that you're seeing these headlines that are getting more bold and more disgusting, but I don't really see anybody moving off the sidelines saying, wait, that's finally crossed my line. So when you talk to your the Westmont friends, using them as an example, I don't see anybody coming off the sidelines, no matter how bold and disgusting the headlines are. Do you? I mean, I think we are seeing some more Christians and Christian leaders speak out. But, I mean, for the most part, it's just sort of weeding out what was already there. Yeah. Which was yeah. a comfortable Christianity, which was a compartmentalized Christianity that wants to dwell in our nice buildings with our nice tithers and our comfortable Bible studies that doesn't challenge us to live in a way that might create discomfort, that might call us to love those in our communities and in our cities who are hurting and burdened by injustice and who is more burdened than unborn children. Um, so, I mean, we just need to keep praying for these, you know, compromised churches that they would wake up and meet us on the front lines. Seth, this is, this is a, a good segue. And I didn't want to go late tonight because I've got to get ready for tomorrow. And I know you're, you, you, you took time from your family. And I think this would be a good kind of transition. And then towards a close of the program that this, uh, this, supposed pandemic and these lockdowns and the tyrannical orders by the governor who shuts down Holy Week, coming after Thanksgiving, now he's going to probably go after Christmas, um, doesn't consider the church essential, strip clubs are open, churches are not essential, and, and as this is being thrust upon the church, they're, they're, they're complying to the tyranny and I was just talking to uh, the head of a very large group of churches, one of the largest in California, as a matter of fact. And the assessment that he sees is that a lot of these churches that didn't open are not going to reopen. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they're losing their members and their congregants, yeah. and they're going to shut their doors. And there are a number of churches here in our own county that are on the edge, and I, I think that this is uh, almost a judgment that if, if we're not willing to stand against tyranny, mm. th- the ones that are closed are the ones that really aren't even going to speak towards the issues of life. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's almost a pruning process. And, yeah. and I, I, I love my fellow shepherds in this community, but, but we have to speak up. We're the conscience of the nation. Yeah. And, and not only are we facing bloodshed and, and a Holocaust uh, while being labeled racist when those who are doing it are complete racist. And, and they are they're funding and supporting some of these churches, these movements that facilitate this Holocaust. And they won't open. And those, the, the, the yielding to the tyranny is creating the destruction of their of their their neighbors, their livelihood, their businesses. 
the destruction of their families, yep. the increase in alcoholism and drug use, and we can go on and on. Where Where is the conscience of the church? Is it a business? Because right. yep. if it's a business, you're going to lose yours. That's right. You're going to lose yep. yours just like the, the restaurant's going to lose theirs. Yep. But we're supposed to be the ones that stand in defense of liberty. That's right. And if, if I may, so you, one, of my, one of my favorite Rob McCoy quotes is, uh, why won't we do for good uh, what the other people will do for evil? Well, I, um, I took, I, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I took that from Dr. Walter Martin. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I don't know him, so I'll continue to attribute it to you. I, I'll get in, uh, get in trouble there. But anyways, so because I cover everything that's happening on the front lines of the abortion wars every week in my podcast, I can tell you that the other side has used these shutdowns and this and this moment as an opportunity to accomplish what they want to accomplish. What's the church supposed to accomplish? The Great Commission, you know, to make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's all, right? Oh, no. And teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. So disciple disciples. And rather than using this horrific opportunity, okay, it's not like, a, it's not like oh, yay. It's like, no, this is really sad. But whose hearts are more ready and ripe for the soil and seeds of the gospel than those who are being told um, they don't have the right to work, they don't have the right to support their family, they don't have the right to go to school. They're they're non-essential. Yeah, they're non-essential. You can't visit your family, can't visit your grandparents. Oh, she died alone? Sorry. Well, all the congressional Democrats at least got to fly to John Lewis's funeral and then fly back without quarantining in New York. That's nice. Well, And and, and also also our our legislators uh, on one side of the aisle got to go to Hawaii. So that's, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. I know. I heard about that. So yeah. you, you're watching the other side use this as an opportunity, right? Never let a good crisis go to waste, right? And, and yet the church is not responding with this opportunity to put our faith into the public square and to welcome people to the eternal hope of the gospel, to hold open our doors like you and Jack Hibbs have done. And yet we've seen people coming to the Lord. We've seen uh, people who have never darkened yeah. the door of a church. And you got Jack Hibbs, yes, obviously, a, you know, a mega church, but a thousand people being baptized on one Sunday at the beach. But what's the other side doing, okay? The other side, particularly in the abortion wars, gentlemen, is using this opportunity to push the abortion pill via telemedicine abortions to be able to ship it all over the country. And I've been following this lawsuit, okay? Uh, Judge by the name of Theodore Huang uh, was a circuit court judge who ruled against the FDA thanks to the abortion rights group's lawsuits. And here's what the abortion rights group are saying. You ready for this absolute madness? They were saying, hey, FDA, you can't impose your risk evaluation and mitigation strategy safety guidelines, the REMS requirement. And what this REMS requirement tells the abortion industry uh, in regards to the abortion pill is that if a woman wants the abortion pill, which, by the way, is taken through 10 weeks, she has to come in for an in-person evaluation first. So she can't just receive it over the counter. She can't just be mailed it into her mailbox, for example. And the reason for that, this is actually very important, this has to do with actually the health of women, it should be a bipartisan thing, is the, they go to an in-person evaluation so the woman can have an ultrasound. The reason they perform an ultrasound before approving the abortion pill for her is firstly to diagnose the gestational age of the pregnancy. How old is the baby? Because I talk to pro-life OBGYNs all the time. I had one on my show and he said, he said, brother, Seth, I have women coming all the time who think there may be 
eight, nine weeks along, and sometimes they're 11, 12, or 13. He says about 30% of my patients are anywhere from one to five weeks off on how pregnant they think they are. Okay, so if you take the abortion pill past 10 weeks, gentlemen, this leads to incomplete abortions, which can lead to um, increases chances of sepsis, infection in the uterus, and possibly maternal death. Okay, so maybe that should be a bipartisan thing that a woman comes in for an in-person evaluation before getting the abortion pill. The second reason is that you need to rule out ectopic pregnancies when the baby implants in the fallopian tube and not the uterus. Because when ectopic pregnancies continue untreated, fallopian tube bursts, mom and baby die. So it should be a bipartisan pro-life, pro-choice thing to say, women should come in for an in-person evaluation and ultrasound before getting the abortion pill. Even if you hate unborn children, shouldn't you be in, in support of that for the health of the mother? Okay, the abortion rights group go, no, 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 FDA. Because well, you know what you're doing? You're creating an undue burden during a yeah. pandemic. So they're saying that going to an in-person evaluation with one doctor, all wearing masks, which I thought were the magical protection, that that's creating an undue burden for women because she might get COVID and die. So we should sort of, we should protect the vulnerable among us by not creating an undue burden while they're trying to get an abortion, which kills the vulnerable among us who should be protected. I mean, we are through the looking glass now, folks. So yeah. I, I say all that to say the other side, they see this as an opportunity because guess what? They've wanted telemedicine abortions for years. Yeah. Just yeah. like the left is using these shutdowns to get everything that they've always wanted anyways. The abortion rights group recognized what? They recognized that according to the data, gentlemen, over 90% of abortions are performed in the first trimester. Oh, and look at these legislative pro-life efforts all around the country of pro-life legislators waking up and beginning to do more by passing incremental pro-life legislation that saves babies. So what does that mean to the abortion industry? Oh, shoot. That's less money we'll be able to make on killing babies. Oh, but look, over 90% of abortions are performed in the first trimester. The abortion pill is almost taken through the entire course of the first trimester. It's cheap to manufacture. It doesn't require multiple abortionists. You don't have to pay a staff in an abortion clinic. You don't have to lease the building, and you don't have to pay the third party to come away with big hazardous waste containers to ship off all the dead children that you killed. So you eliminate all of these costs uh, and and produce an abortion pill that you can produce at cheap uh, cost and sell at high margins, and then ship it all around the country via telemedicine abortion snail mail. This is right. what they've always wanted, and now they're using this shutdown as the opportunity to get what they want, and the church is silent. You, you, you forgot, though, that they, they can't sell the body parts. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, um, and, and all the while that they're pushing for this, the idea of getting hydroxychloroquine is something that's been around for, what, 50, 60 years and used in huge amounts all over the world. Right. Uh, but no, 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 can't do that. This is, this is tragic. Yeah. And, and we, we really need to study to show ourselves approved. Mm. Whatever things are true, we need to be focusing on this and educating, discipling our congregations Right. To stand in defense for the those that don't have a voice, and Seth, again, I, I, the the timeliness of of you answering the call, and, and of course Jurgen is precious, but when I saw that tweet today, I just I, I couldn't get it out of my mind, and and we've become numb to 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 the the vile, vicious, heinous destruction of our children. And I, I'm just so glad you were here tonight and, and to hear it so clearly articulated. Folks, if, if you tire of this or, or it frustrates you or you just don't want to listen to it, 
I would just ask you to do this. With, with, with the God that you have given your life to, just ask the Lord tonight. Say, Lord, am, am, I, am, am I hearing your heart here? Is my callousness and my boredom or my disdain or disgust or apathy towards this topic your heart? Or is that just me? And if it's me, Lord, would you change my heart? And yeah. he will. Yeah. So, yeah. Seth, thank you. Thanks yeah, for blessing brothers. us. I'm only bummed that we couldn't be in person again, yeah. but let me, let me close with this. You know, you said just a minute ago, Pastor Rob, um, you, I think you asked the question, is, is this a judgment? Is this part of a judgment on the church for their complicity in child sacrifice? And you didn't call it child sacrifice, but, you know, we know it to be that. And I, I preached a message this morning at the Calvary Chapel of Downey Men's Breakfast, their monthly men's breakfast, and I called it Modern Molech child sacrifice in the 21st century. And, you know, this idea of, are we ripe for judgment? Is this, is this part of the judgment on the church? And, and maybe it's, maybe it's a good thing that some of these churches are shutting down, honestly, because if if they're not going to stand for life and they're not going to stand for their only job description, which is to preach the gospel and disciple disciples, then I don't want my brothers and sisters being under that leadership. But, you know, God makes it very clear, gentlemen, of the type of judgment that he reserved for his people for their complicity in child sacrifice. In Leviticus, regarding the Israelites' complicity in sacrificing their babies to Molech, he says in Leviticus 24 through 5, gentlemen, he says, and if the people of the land do it all, close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. I mean, this is strong language. And various translations have described this avoidance, right? This closing your eyes of what is happening, sacrificing babies to Molech as ignoring or disregarding hiding their eyes, looking the other way, avoiding to deal with, shutting their eyes, or overlooking or neglecting. And Proverbs 24, 11 through 12 says to hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And if you say, we did not know about this, Lord. <laughs> it says, does not he who made your life know it? Does not he who see your heart know it? And will he not judge each man according to what he has done? So listen, you know, this was said to the Israelites, but we are more complicit in child sacrifice in the 21st century than the Israelites ever were, yeah. bar none. Yeah. And we are more silent and more complicit on this child sacrifice than they were. According to the Guttmacher Institute, about 30% of the annual abortions are performed on women who identify as evangelical Protestants. So we are slaughtering our own children in the church. And guess what? These women and men come to our churches. And what do they hear from the pulpit? Silence. Nothing. And that yeah. silence is actually really, really loud because yeah, yeah. it's a tacit approval they're coming here they're scared they're being told to sacrifice their child to the pagan <laughs> gods of convenience and career well-being and they're wondering will there be clarity from the pulpit will my pastor speak to this and their silence is permission because if it was important enough to stop you would be speaking about it. And then we have post-abortive men and women in our churches. So guess what? The silence of our pastors and shepherds on the abortion of the lambs does not spare these men and women hurt. It spares them healing because yeah. they're 
woundedness on abortion ought to function as a soapbox opportunity for pastors to articulate the gospel to their hearts in a way they've never heard it before and are in more need of it than ever before. To be told that like King David, you arranged the death of an innocent human being, and maybe you did it like King David to hide and cover up your own sexual sin. But if there was grace for King David, there's grace for you. And Jesus is just as eager to forgive the sin of abortion as any other sin. But yes, you arranged the death of an innocent human being. But if there was grace for King David, there's grace for you. If he could be a man after his own heart, so can you. That's the message we should be articulating because we know God wants to take our ashes and create beauty and use us to help where we used to hurt. And so the silence of the pulpits is really loud. And this is why Francis Schaeffer said abortion is happening with the permission of the church. It's time for us to repent, to turn from our wicked ways, to cry out to God and and ask for forgiveness that he would heal this land. We have a ministry in our church called Healing Hearts, and it's for women who have gone through uh, having had an abortion. And and there is mercy and grace to be found. And they, they do see it as an opportunity to express, you know, and, and to process that before the Lord. And when we're honest with God, He's always merciful with us. We're fallen creatures. We fail. But, but we can't remain silent just because we're afraid to insult somebody. A, a gospel... Seth, a gospel, and, and the churches that say, you know, we're, we're complying to this tyranny because we, we just, we, we still can preach the gospel. A gospel that allows children, children to be destroyed with the silence right. is not a gospel that is of the Lord. That's right. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're preaching. That's right. But but that's not the gospel. Yeah. That's why Wilberforce said a private faith that does not act in the face of oppression is no faith at all. Yeah. yeah. And that's why Bonhoeffer and Martin E. Moeller and Eberhard Bethke named their community of believers the Confessing Church. And we've talked about this before, right? Yeah, yeah. With you, with your with people tuning in. But what was the assumption in calling themselves that? It was that if you're silent on the genocide of Jewish image bearers. Uh, I don't know what Christianity you're confessing, but yeah. it might not be the real one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw a tweet you did on that. Yeah. Well, Seth, we're, we'll, we'll have you back on. We're, we're going to be doing Womb's Day. Those are Wednesdays with you. So uh, we're going to set up the whole format as, as we're preparing, kind of setting these studios up. We're in, the folks have been working tirelessly to make oh. this available because yeah. we're losing media and folks are finding this as their outlet and their opportunity to connect. So Amen. thank you for availing yourself and blessing us tonight. Gosh, anytime. Love you guys. Always love you too. Now, now go get back. To, you're going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, when we are down at the waypoint, I was talking to you and your wife about you're unique in the fact that you're so young and taking such a bold stand and how it's kind of a little bit of a lonely deal because you don't have anybody in your peers somewhat that are standing like you are. So is there any uh, prayers besides that traffic and bad weather hit San Clemente that we can pray for you? And, and also, 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 Seth, tell us, uh, tell everyone viewing how they can support you and because you travel the country and you're, you're a voice yeah. for, for the voiceless. Yeah, no, wonderful. It's, it's always refreshing to hang out with you guys. Yeah, thanks, David. Yeah, we had a great time with you the other day. Um, I mean, well, you know, some things are brewing. Right. Uh, we're talking about some stuff. So so we'll see. But um, just prayers for a good Christmas. We have our baby due December 5th, mm, um, baby yeah. girl. 
and uh, could come early, could be a Thanksgiving baby, which would be crazy because then I'd, I'd have two babies born on national holidays since our son is born on Christmas morning. Uh, but my last speaking event is tomorrow morning at Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley. Uh, and David Rosales has given me the pulpit to talk about life. And then I'll be done for the year, uh, barring a last minute booking request. I'll be done for December, hanging out with the family, new baby, just recuperating and resting. I, I think I did something like 26 events between the beginning of September and today or tomorrow. Um, which is kind of crazy. So, so yeah, thank you, David. Looking forward to being with you guys, worshiping together again very soon uh, and fighting for life. And then if you guys want to connect with me, follow me on social media. We're, we're trying to crank out a lot of encouraging content for you, give you the tools of thought you need to defend life. And then you can sign up for my newsletter at sethgruber.com. You'll just get regular content, what's happening in the country and how can you engage and it'll be encouraging to you. And then if you want to support my ministry, you can just go to prolifetraining.com. And uh, that's our ministry's website. You can support me through there. And we're going to start rolling out and doing a lot of new things, a lot of it with uh, David and Pastor Rob here and, and some of it myself. And so, you know, it's time for the church to wake up and we're going to be on the front lines waking up that bride of Christ to defend image bearers created in the image of the prenatal Christ. So yeah. thank you, brother. Bless yeah. you, Seth. Yeah. All right. Get back to Cedar and your wife <laughs> and go love on them. We'll, we'll catch up All with right. you later. Wonderful. God bless you. We'll see you later. See you again. Uh, so the, um, uh, the, the text came through. It was a joy to be with Seth. I, yeah. I love all the content. But yeah. a text came through. Uh, it's Barbara Paul is, oh, yeah. is the owner of the pizza cookery, Barbara Paul. You know, you say supporting. I've been there. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's not like you're supporting a great place to go. So. Yeah. Well, you know, somebody who's brave, you know, yeah. they, they just come on. They're doing what... What you what you secretly want to do? Now go support them. Yeah. In droves, everybody, and and I, I I don't know if we can do this, Micah, but can we put again the clip of the pizza cookery up so folks can see that? Seventy five West Thousand Oaks Boulevard, Thousand Oaks. There's the number eight one eight 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 seven four seven seven zero pizzacookery.com. Go there. No mass required. What bravery. Yeah. And uh, they they need to be encouraged. And other owners of restaurants out there, you do the same thing. We'll stand with you. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll come out in droves. We'll come out and support you. So God bless you guys. And uh, I have stuff to do, so I got to go study for tomorrow. Yep. D- tune in uh, on, on the live stream if you're not coming here live uh, in person because it's gonna be good. Yeah, there's something really <laughs> in the morning. It's yeah. it's gonna be kind of hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. You won't want to miss it. I, it might go viral. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Depends on how far you go. All right. All right. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, and, and this was from my friend, Mike Huckabee. Uh, and I, t- I emailed him tonight and he responded. I uh, told him what I was doing tomorrow. And I told him it's his fault. So, uh, okay, folks. We're going we're gonna to bless you uh, with the blessing that we've done now for almost 230 episodes. Jeez, yeah. Number six. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you tomorrow for church, 9, 11, and 1. And uh, you can tune in on the live stream, godspeak.com. It's the same way you got here on this one. But we hope to see you. And by the way, uh, 9 and 11 are usually full. 1 o'clock. It's starting to fill up, actually. It's starting to fill up, but you get first-class seating still, so there's legroom. 
So, you, you know, go have lunch and then come to the 1 o'clock if you'd like. Yeah. But we look forward to seeing all of you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Good night, everybody.